You know, we started this podcast because so many black belts and green belts, what I was finding is they get out of their training, they're really overwhelmed with the information, and they're just kind of like left a little bit empty, wondering, okay, what's next? Chances are many organizations that have just started the program don't have that flexibility or luxury of having a mentor kind of reinforces or gives some, how do you say, confirmation to, hey, what I'm hearing or what I'm doing actually makes sense, or this is what I'm struggling with, and that's common, so that's fine. So that's why you and I are here each week to be their regular coaches. So we're going to continue to support all of you guys who are listening so long as you continue to support us. We really appreciate you joining us on our journey. Tell your friends and colleagues all about us. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review to help us reach more Lean Six Sigma and quality professionals. You can search for eSuccess Methods Podcast in the search field on iTunes, or you can find us under the business and career section. And uh, by all means, keep listening. We have lots more coming. And if you ever have feedback or ever have some comments or even if you need a quick coaching tip, feel free to reach out on our website, eSuccessMethods.com. Welcome to the eSuccess Method Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical world of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 167, we discuss the beautiful, the magnificent, the I can't live without it, can't chart, in part four of our project schedule planning series. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at e6s-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Good, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Jacob, you are in luck again today. Another one of your favorites. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> so before you say, no, you can't, let me say, yes, you can't. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so um, as we were getting to this, this is part four in our project planning series, and uh, we are following essentially the PMI waterfall model of finally getting to a project timeline and before we go any further you had some consternation or objections to doing this so let's get those out of the way no no it's not necessarily an objection my biggest point was you know we've talked a lot about work breakdown structure network diagram you know at the end of the day it's all the same thing in my opinion Uh, i think the difference for a gantt chart is you're putting it in numbers and you're visually representing it which is the fun part in it uh and i and this episode is just about that. I was just telling Aaron that we've done so much, I think people might say it's an overkill. Hmm. Well, we've spread it out over a couple of years, so maybe it's not <laughs> maybe. too much of an overkill. Let's dab. Um, I mean, my other, my other strong opinion is, you know, we, we like to do these Gantt charts and things like that, um, or project plans that are so detailed, mm. especially if it's being done in detail. Why does it matter? Because we all know it has to change anyway. Right. So so the amount of effort and time that is being spent doing this is it truly value added if you have if if you know for sure some of it's going to have to change at any some point really, really soon. So that would be my other question or concern of doing a big detailed project plan in the fr- upfront. So I guess what I'll say to that and, and it's true, the moment the moment you actually have a Gantt chart finished is the is the moment just before you have to go and update your Gantt chart. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, the value in a lot of tools I'm finding, and I don't know if I explain it well uh, when I teach them, but the value is not as much in the uh, the output of the artifact, but the creation of the artifact is what's supposed to 
create the value. So um, the process of making sure you are essentially on task is is what maintaining the Gantt chart and all these other tools are supposed to help you do. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think I totally agree with that point, right? Like the planning is critical and necessary, and I'm not saying you just don't do anything without planning anything or looking into the future because right. in a lot of cases, even understanding what resources, when do you want it, how will you employ it, and you know how will you fit it all together, that sort of thought process needs to be out there if you're thinking of just the next two weeks or one month and you don't look far out beyond it if the lead time or things of that sort that are much, much longer. And if you don't account for it, then you're going to be in trouble when you get to that stage. So I am totally not discounting the planning aspect of it. Uh, I'm just going into the depths of planning that this might take. And is it truly value added if every day of that aspect is going to change? Well, we've definitely seen um, certain personalities, maybe it's a personality thing or uh, people actually do think, and it's a lot like PowerPoint too, people think that the end piece is proof of work and they feel good about that when nothing has actually been done. You know, mm-hmm. when, when like the, the Gantt chart, oh, look how impressive my Gantt chart is. So, oh, great. Um, are you on time? <laughs> you know, are you on budget? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the more important thing is just by seeing the Gantt chart, most likely either the project manager or somebody else is going to say, this project is done on this date. Right. And, and you know, the minute you say that statement, you will have to retract that in less than a week or so because not everything's going to go as per plan. Right. So, and that's where, uh, and that's what concerns me the most is somebody's going to make a promise or a commitment based on this Gantt chart when they shouldn't have. Yeah, and I think in, in most cases that promise or a commitment has already been made, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah. uh, let's talk about. So um, we started with the work breakdown structure in episode thirty-nine, and mm-hmm. then talked about how that might fit into Lean Six Sigma. That just helps you break down large deliverables into smaller tasks, and the rule of thumb is. Uh, nothing smaller than uh, no task smaller than what would take eight hours and no task bigger than what would take 40 hours. So you're not supposed to get into a terrible amount of detail. And then you take those and arrange them into a network diagram. You find out what the dependencies are and uh, the critical path. path. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode 98. And then we went through our near perfection in episode 158, which we went through Monte Carlo and the different ways of estimating task durations and incorporating standard deviation. And that's, I guess, what we get into some of that, some of that wiggle room that you try to create so that when you do commit to something, uh, you have a high, high degree confidence. of confidence. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, and then we went through 161 and 162 with the agile stuff. And now, the agile aside, uh, back into waterfall, Gantt chart is usually the the management document, the schedule management document that lives on throughout the life of a project and work breakdown structure and those other things uh, pretty much uh, fade into the background. And most times you're talking with somebody on the project management, they they bring up their Gantt chart and maybe they'll have it printed out and they bring it to the meetings and they'll have all kinds of notes on it. And that'll be their communication tool on, you know, how well things are going. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and, and just to clarify, right, you, we said the Agile way or the Scrum way um, might not necessarily include this. And I, I, I have to say planning is very critical. And if it is at a higher level, 
um, whether it's GAN chartered or whether it's roadmapped or whatever is done, mm-hmm. it is equally critical in that also because you want to understand what is the future coming in. You might not get into the details of the future, but you want to see what's down the pipe so you can prep accordingly or strategize accordingly on how to structure your work. For anybody who doesn't know, I'd be surprised, but the Gantt chart is essentially, I guess, where Waterfall probably gets its term, right? Uh, it's a bunch of tasks that are laid out, um, and they look like uh, a series of steps that, uh, you know, if you put a slinky or poured a bucket of water over, it would step down the steps over time into the future, hopefully. Hmm. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, possibly. Yeah. So a bunch of cascading dependencies and uh, tasks. Yep. Okay, so uh, there are some things. Now, it is not uncommon for people to just kind of go out and start making a Gantt chart. As a matter of fact, pretty much all my projects, that's what I did. I didn't go through the work breakdown structure, didn't go through the network diagram, probably did all those things sort of at the same time in my mind, uh, but went straight to the Gantt chart, not really knowing the nuances of work breakdown structure or the uh, network diagram until I took the PMP exam. Um, But we're tracing out what is recommended by PMI uh, in this particular episode. Ending with Gantt chart. But first, we've got to get back to the task dependencies. And there are a couple, there are four different ways at which dependencies are sort of uh, looked at at as Mm -hmm. far as the Gantt charts. And this is maybe just jargon or terminology, uh, it's something I never really took into much consideration before, but they are out there. If you're going to take the exam, these are things you might want to take a look at. So the first dependency is called finish to... St- oh, by the way, we have a bunch of images in, in these show notes, which make it a lot easier to uh, take a look at and to understand uh, how all these things fit together. So uh, yep, yep. do take a look. So finish to start is the first dependency. It's the most common. Basically, you finish one task before starting another. Mm-hmm. I think that's one is fairly straightforward, pretty much anything in series. So what has to be complete before another task can begin? As an example, I have install a door after the doorway is framed. Yep. Right. That would make sense. I think so. Then there's another that is start to start. So anything that is could be done in parallel where the end times are independent. So they start at the, can start at the same time, but they can end at different times. Mm-hmm. For instance, install one door while someone else frames other doorways. Okay. So if you're um, if if you're not doing any, any everything in batches, if you're not batching all the doorways, you say, "Oh, one doorway is done. Bring in this person, have them hang a door while I go and make this other doorway." Got it. So uh, you may load up on resources, but you're probably going to get things done quicker. Mm-hmm. Then there is finish to finish. And these can be done in parallel, but they must complete at the same same time. time. Mm -hmm. So this one's a little bit more difficult, I think, to come up with some examples. As a matter of fact, the examples I tried to get online, uh, they didn't make sense to me. So I made these ones up. I hope they make a little bit more sense, but uh, they maybe just make more sense to me. So in this case, I said there are dependent parts of an assembly. So uh, say you're getting pieces of one, pieces of another, they're, neither one of them is complete until they're put together. Uh, mm-hmm. So door hardware, sh- door hardware shipment should arrive when the doors arrived, even with what might be a different supply chain chain lead time. Mm-hmm. And uh, for anybody who's in the supply chain, that would be, or manufacturing, 
that's kind of ideal. You know, when components arrive at the same time, yeah. your end customer doesn't want to have to hold on to a thousand components of A when, you know, it's an AB assembly. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're waiting a month for B to show up. I used to do that to my customers all the time. They didn't like it. And neither do you, right? You don't want to sit on inventory when you can't do anything with it because the other piece is not there either. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. When you're on the receiving end, it's it stinks. But when you're on the producing end, it's kind of okay because it's not okay, but it's 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 convenient. Convenient for you because you're making large batches of the same thing, right? You can batch it out, but the user cannot. So this other one is start to finish, and and they're saying this one is rare. The activities that cannot start without knowing when a future activity will end. And they're saying it's rare, but I have a feeling it's more common than we think about it. We just don't think of it necessarily in this way. So, for instance, what can begin once an end date is known? So when you have to get, say, a resource commitment, say a contract or something. So the example I have here is the door installation contract can be signed, i.e. finished, once the door installation end date is known. So when you know things have to be – when you set a planned due date – then you can agree on the the terms of the conditions, right? But it says start to finish. Mm-hmm. So I start writing the contract when I know the installation is done or going to be done? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you know it, it, it's not actually done, but when you know it's going to be done. Yeah, you lost me there. <laughs> you can. Uh, this this is one of those things where. None of the examples I found online made any sense, so maybe this doesn't make any sense either. I'll just be joining all the other examples that don't make any sense. Yeah, this, uh, maybe it did. I I just I'm not smart enough to pick that up. <laughs> or maybe you can start the contract. That's what it is. You can start the contract once you have an end date known. Okay, that might make more is that sense. Better here. Let me yeah. let me start the door installation contract. <laughs> Do that. But then who is installing the door? The contractors. So it's more like... So you're subcontracting, yes. So I, I know now when my door and the supplies for the doors are arriving mm-hmm. or when they will be here. So when I know when I want that installed, that's when I can start. But isn't that then a finish to start? Depending on how you break the work because now that I know when this is arriving... I can then start the contract. I don't know. I, maybe I'm thinking too much here. Yeah, so a lot of these things, and I had the same, the same debate when I was reading other people's. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you change the the nature of the task, uh, you can make it any, almost any one of these things, right? So, for instance, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't make it start to finish. I would just say decide when you know decide when the end date will be will be due and that that will be a task in itself and then that would kick off another task and that would be finished to start you know what i mean it's like we can't start a contract until we know when this date's going to be but I, I don't think i would lay it out in a gantt chart as a start to finish but that's how they that's that's how they do it yep <laughs> if anybody has any better ideas that's why this one is probably rare uh, but if anybody has any better ideas on, on how this is used, please let us know. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so those are the typical dependencies and – or I should say the noted dependencies. And they're all equal, right? They're equal in terms of their balance. There's a finish to start, a start to start, finish to finish, start to finish. 
and that might be the reason why there is a start to finish because they had to balance that out. I don't know. I don't know who uh, decided that. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Are you applying for professional certification in your field? You'll be happy to learn that all this time you've been streaming Jacob and me into your ears. You've also been earning continuing education units, or CEUs, which can be applied toward most professional certifications. You can do your research, all the math, and figure out which episodes are applicable for which discipline, or you can save yourself the time and hassle and just order a CEU report from us. All you need to do is provide us with which episodes you've listened to, and we'll provide you with a portfolio including details about each episode and a certificate of recognition with a CEU breakdown by competency, including leadership, tactics and tools, strategy deployment, and principles and philosophies. So if you have certification on the mind, start here and save some time. Just go to e6s-methods.com slash CEU to order yours. There is an idea of identifying lead or lag time, and these are a little bit, the lead time at least, is a little bit different than how we might normally think about it. There are some images to help uh, identify what this uh, might look like, but lead time is, I equated this to start to start, the amount of time one task must start before starting another task. In my opinion, it allows you to shift from finish to start to start to start. Basically, you can start overlapping your tasks, especially if it looks like you might be falling behind schedule. Mm-hmm. So essentially, this is unbatching your yep. your work. Your work, yeah. Uh, and then there's lag time. So this is inserting time between the two steps. Between the steps, because and, and frankly, you could have this as a task itself, but. You're inserting time because the time between it is actually value added. So lag time is finished to start. The amount of time one task must wait before another task can start. So, uh, for instance, painting the house while a primer is still wet, you don't want to do that. Uh, So you need to allow for some value added drying time. And whether you want to call this a task and like put it in a box, or if you just want to insert a lag, I don't. I don't think either one matters. But that's. that's the terminology here. Got it. So those are the, the general dependencies and some some ways to, I say, adjust where your squares on your Gantt chart may fall based off of lead and or lag time. Got it. All right. So now that we know that, we can still take what we learned from our network diagram and the dependencies that are there and uh, create a visual timeline. Ooh, let's do this. All right. So remember our task estimates from either our PERT or our three-point estimate, yeah, mm-hmm. episode 158. So that essentially rolls in to the Gantt. Each task that we identified there should be a bar on our Gantt chart. Mm-hmm. So using our network diagram to know when the start and end of each task is, we start putting that into maybe a software or maybe doing it by hand. But uh, on our timeline, we just start laying it out. So uh, we do know anything for float or slack that was determined from the network diagram. And this is different due to variation in lag time, uh, which is set. And it's different than standard deviation. So that that's came from network diagram. So just FYI, float or slack came from the dependencies, not necessarily from the uh, standard deviation that we had accounted for. Got it. So it recommended that we do that? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, that that is uh, one of the things that came came before. So in the okay. in the network diagram, mm-hmm. 
So episode 98 has the methods for calculating float or slack. But this basically float or slack is if a delay happens, how long can things be delayed without affecting our project timeline? Yep, yep, yep. So it's basically all the non-critical chain tasks. Mm -hmm. So there is a nice video by James Marion on YouTube. There's, uh, it's pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, I don't think I could explain it any better than he can. So take a look at the YouTube uh, there. Uh, there is a, a link in the show notes. Excellent. So that's kind of the idea is you it, whatever task you have and task duration, the size of the box is the based off the time that it takes to do that. Yeah, and the size of the box is usually, you know, you can put the timeline in different scales as long as much as you want. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be days, months, hours, you know, depending on what your project is going to be played on. Keep that there. Right. Now, I did insert something at the last minute. So there's the way the PMI, which we just explained, the PMI recommends. And then there's or <laughs> the way I actually have done it. Uh, and this was before I studied PMI. Backwards planning. Have you ever done backwards planning? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't done backwards planning, but it's kind of like how I how I think about it is mainly uh, just like what the true purists say. You do a value stream mapping exercise where you start at the end and walk yourself backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing I'm guessing is backwards planning. You see where you want to be on what date and then try to map yourself up to see why by when do you want certain things done and how will you get to that point. That's exactly it. Right, you you set that end date, and this is how we had to do it in the army. You set your end date, you make sure you decide how long you can essentially afford for each task to take, not necessarily how long it actually does take, and then you plan accordingly uh, and hope that you are, or don't have a major mismatch between what your resource and time budget and how hard it is actually to do something. But uh, that's essentially the approach I've taken all along, and. Basically, when you start to fall behind on that, it, it almost that kind of forces everything into the critical chain in, in, in that sense, if you think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You really don't have much slack when you're doing backwards planning. Everything yeah. must be done by these days. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, you can adjust your staffing, your budget, or whatever you need to in order to hit those milestones. Yep. All right. So there's a lot of different Gantt charting tools out there, and there's quite a list that uh, I've put together based off of what I've seen and used myself. And I think everybody's pretty much favorite, well, favorite might not be the right word, but the most common is Microsoft Project. Yes, sir. Now, would, would, would I be able to call this your favorite? You know, it took me a while to get used to Microsoft Project, but yes, amongst everything else, sure. <laughs> as far as Gantt charting programs are concerned? Yes, totally. You know, what's difficult about this, though, is uh, often it's only the project manager who has it. Yes, that's means, the other problem. Which means you, nobody else can, can... edit or do anything to it. Right. And uh, the other piece always is then now you have to always find the project manager to even get an update done. Right, and then you're, you're trying to find a plotter or something to... <laughs> It's big yes. enough. <laughs> Going to Staples, saying, "Oh, I need, I need poster. I need a fifty dollar poster again." Yeah. So that's one of the nice reasons why I've actually preferred Excel versions mm-hmm. because I can adjust the scale to what I want. I want to see it in quarters, or I want to see just months. So I make each cell a month and just highlight the colors in there. 
it doesn't unfortunately give the details on how everything is connected to each other. Right. So that's a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I think the the visual representation on how each of these flows is what uh, the value in the Gantt chart is. Right. It's not creating the dependencies uh, and it's not uh, updating any, uh, doing real-time updates to time durations uh, and, and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so you have to weigh the value of that. The, and the license isn't cheap and that's why it's usually only the project manager who has it. Yeah. Um, and and it is a little bit cumbersome to get to get to know. You basically go straight to the Gantt though, and it creates the work breakdown structure as you go in in a list or outline form that's way off to the left. So it doesn't mm-hmm. do it. It doesn't do it via a, a hierarchical diagram like uh, we showed it. It is it's an outline essentially, like uh, you had described before. And the network diagram gets created in the background as well, and it gets it gets really messy really fast. It's the network diagram is basically unreadable, and since you've already created the Gantt, I don't even know why they bother making a network diagram, honestly, but they do. Uh, Instantis, probably your second favorite? I, uh, sure. <laughs> I, no, absolutely not. I think my Excel is my second favorite. <laughs> well, I, I have this on here because it's uh, common. If any, most, It's very common project One management... Of- tool for yeah. Six Sigma projects. One of them. Well, it's the most... Well, it's the only one I've ever seen that's specific for Six Sigma, but I'm sure you know there what? are others. Yeah, there are, there's a lot of others, actually. I'd written some names down when I went for the conference the other time. Uh-huh. A lot of people were using a couple of different ones, and some had uh, very strong opinions on how they hated Instantis also. You know, I actually met my first person last week who looked at Instantis and liked it. He's like, yeah, it's a strong program. It's a good program. And I looked hmm. at him. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but he was a computer programmer, so admit, that might make sense. Got um, it. He's like, oh, yeah, it's really easy to use. <laughs> what? Um, all right, but uh, it is Oracle licensed uh, online software. You know, everybody's got a license. Um, all users have a license. And uh, I put favorite in quotes because the, the problems that people have with it is it's it's not necessarily easy to use. Most people don't use it to the... Uh, it's full extent. It's got a lot of bells and whistles that a lot of people don't ever use, which means it's kind of oversold. It's sold on its bells and whistles, and then people don't use those parts, and they just complain about the other parts that they don't use. So very seldom is it actually used as a project management tool or a Gantt charting tool. It's got the functionality, but mostly it's just a dumping ground for all the all the stuff that you're forced to put in there and tracking financial benefits. Hmm. That sound about right? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, there's Thomas's planner. Have you ever used this? No, I've not actually. So this this one was I said developed a little bit over maybe about ten years ago. It, it's just online. It's kind of like the Excel thing that you had mentioned. You do it. You make it manually, pretty yeah. much. Um, but it can be shared between different groups. It's online, and you can you can share your plan with other people. Uh, and it's free. Uh, well, there's it's freemium, right? You can have one portion that's free, and then if you want to have more than one active project you got to pay something so that's kind of nice got it there's smart draw which i kind of like uh it is cheaper than most you can start with your network diagram uh but it also has like process mapping capability same with uh, microsoft visio most people don't use visio for gantt charting but visio is the first one that i ever used for gantt charting um before i got uh, accustomed to a uh, project project 
You know, I've never tried the Gantt charting capability in Vizio. I've seen it in there. I've never actually used it, to be honest. Yeah, I I used it in a well, it was about a two. I think it was two, uh, roughly two thousand hmm. two thousand three is when I used it. So I, I don't know if they ever kept it up to date. I mean, that was before Microsoft, or just around the time Microsoft acquired Vizio. So who knows if uh, how much they've maintained a competing Compete. product. Yeah, 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 that's true. And then you just mentioned customized Excel spreadsheets. So mm-hmm. what do you think about this? I mean, do you make all of yours from scratch, or have you picked up some templates that are online that are uh, yeah, available? There are definitely templates that are online, which we have, which I have used. Uh-huh. Uh, there are also lots of, uh, like, even almost, like, you know, paid for cheap. Right. And then if somebody's smart enough, which I'm not, unfortunately... Uh, to pull macros or things like that, that is always, again, helpful. Um, which will then, you can create all the formulas as a macro, and all the updates can automatically be made mm-hmm. if you change things here and there. I wasn't cool enough for that yet, but I know some of my coworkers or colleagues are, and they've they've put some fine things together. Okay. So I think Project, sort of, that's kind of how Project Microsoft Project was born. I mean, it looks just yeah. like a very customized Excel spreadsheet. Excel template. Yeah it's, yeah, it's what it is, yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. And uh, we can't forget this, the cheapest and maybe maybe the best option, especially if it's a pain, <laughs> the best option is pencil and paper because if it's a pain to change your Project Gantt, perhaps Project Timelines wouldn't change so often. Yeah. We can't miss this deadline because I am not drawing this thing this again. again. <laughs> I know. You guys better do this thing the right way. <laughs> so, um, I mean, pencil and paper is... Not often used, but consider pencil and paper being not not too much different than uh, if you have a war room and you are using post-its to uh, represent your Gantt all along the walls. I mean, something that's fluid, something that's low-tech. Um, don't discount low-tech, I guess is what I'm saying here. Yeah. All right, now we have our Gantt chart. What, what, what next? Well, I think it's about time you started putting those things into place. <laughs> Start so earning your money. <laughs> somebody started doing the work because this grand chart looks great. Now let's make sure we can hit that grand chart. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Jacob, can you give us a quick recap? Sure. I mean, the grand chart is, like Aaron mentioned, the final piece to the puzzle when you're doing some project planning. Um, so as as the workflow is, you probably did a work breakdown structure then you kind of did a task estimation across your different models that we've talked about or picked one of them, found your critical path, which then leads you to kind of putting together a flow or a, t- or a timeline of events, if you want to call it, which is friendly known as scan charting. Hmm. Dependencies, which is the most important thing that you need to find, can be classified in different ways. Aaron had some good examples and then some not so good examples, but we talked about uh- Finish to start, start to start, finish to finish, and start to finish, which was hard to digest. But hopefully the examples or the images will give some of the ideas to that. And then the whole concept of a lead time versus a lag time. And then put it together and voila, you will have your answer for the image on how this work needs to flow. And we talked about the different tools you can use. Microsoft Project most likely being the most popular one. Mm. And the free version, which Aaron was talking about, Thomas Planner, might be something you want to try, at least just to take a first step at what this might look like. That's right. Yeah, take a look. All right. Excellent. Well, Anything else, hopefully, No, hopefully everybody has fun putting a Gantt chart together. <laughs> My personal advice, don't spend too much time on it. 
because you'll have to change it soon. Good advice. All right. <laughs> Thank you very awesome. much, Jacob. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for listening to episode 167 of the E-Success Methods podcast. Stay tuned for episode 168, where we discuss the Know Nothing Black Belt. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then clamor and share it. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down. <laughs>